Hello, this is Ian Wolf, producer of Diffusion Science Radio. You can now support Diffusion through the Patreon support page at patreon.com slash diffusionradio. Send me a message about the supporter awards you'd like to receive. Or make a donation directly with the PayPal button or click on an Amazon affiliate link at www.diffusionradio.com. Diffusion, the international science radio show. We have a bouncer and the doors of perception. <laughs> the good, the bad, the ugly. It gets pretty exotic. The myths, the truths. Toxicology. Astro seismology. Magnetism. The dark side. Genetically engineered potatoes. Planetoid. Planetoid. I love that word. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Diffusion. Sit back and relax while we inject weird and wonderful science directly into your brain. I'm Ian Wolfe. On this edition, space jazz with the Ephemera Ensemble. But first up, here's the news. Bugs in the brain code. Researchers from Linköping University in Sweden have found that software used in most functional magnetic resonance imaging fMRI brain scans over the last 15 years has major bugs that will invalidate thousands of experiments and observations about how the brain works. Functional magnetic resonance imaging scans for the magnetic signatures of oxygen-rich blood in the brain. Blood indicates that the brain is doing something, but it's not a direct measure of brain activity. There's room for error. That's why neuroscientists use special statistics to filter out noise in their fMRI scans, verifying that the shaded blobs they see pulsing across their computer screens actually relate to blood flowing through the brain. There is noise from the scanner, noise from the electrical components, noise from the person's body as they breathe and pump blood, noise from thinking while you lie in the scanner. Researchers use statistical software to help them separate the signal from the noise. As well as discovering a programming bug, there was a problem with interpreting what the data means. Different software used different calculations to extract meaningful but different interpretation of the data. The combination of programming mistakes and conflicting interpretations leads to false positives. Indications of brain activity where none exist. This might remind you of the fish that have been scanned with the fMRI and shown to have an active brain despite being dead. It sounds like a red herring, but it was actually an Atlantic salmon. If one voxel, a three-dimensional pixel in the brain scan, is showing activity, the software assumes that the next-door voxels are probably active as well. Statistical software estimates how likely it is that those surrounding voxels are really active. The study's authors found that some of these software packages overestimated the similarity in adjacent voxels. By overestimating the likelihood of similar activity, images would indicate larger clusters of brain activity than were really happening. The researchers used statistics packages to compare fMRI data from 499 people taken in groups of 20, from data of control groups published in studies around the world. This is the advantage of having full raw data published with papers instead of just images. When comparing 20 healthy people to 20 other healthy people, there shouldn't be much difference. The researchers expected to find a 5% margin of error for their tests, which would mean most studies were just fine. What they found 
was a 70% margin of error. The main bug in the software was fixed in 2015, when, as for most papers written in the last 15 years, only the final images are shown, nobody outside the study group can tell whether the results are statistically valid or not. Another common complaint is that because fMRI studies are so expensive, most studies published have very small sample sizes of 20 people or less, and they generally aren't replicated, making them less believable. The authors estimate around 3,500 studies may have been affected by the bugs and need to be replicated. You can't just go back and reanalyze the data when the only things that have been published are bitmaps of final images and tables of data peaks, instead of the raw scanner data. All scientific papers in the 21st century should be published with their raw data or links to the raw data, otherwise we can never validate them. So when you read something remarkable about what's happening in the brain that's based on brain scans before 2015, you might want to take a grain of salt with your Atlantic salmon and wait for a follow-up study. The paper was titled Why fMRI Inferences for Spatial Extent Have Inflated False Positive Rates and was published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences of the USA. You're listening to Ian Wolfe on Diffusion Science Radio. Send emails to science at diffusionradio.com. We're brought to you across Australia on the Community Radio Network and podcast over the internet on www.diffusionradio.com. Space Jazz! Composer musician Keena Wilkins has created the ephemera ensemble to play the music she's created, inspired by sounds transcoded from radio signals collected by radio astronomer Paul Francis. I visited her home and began by asking her, you've composed a show where music is inspired by space. Yes, that's, that's, it. that's exactly right. I'm a musician, a florist and pianist, and um, I'm also a composer, and I've been searching for some time for a way to connect my skills with a strong interest of mine, which is astronomy. And so finally found a way. I, I realised I could just write music about astronomy, basically. So I formed a trio with two very good musicians, Will Gilbert on trumpet and Elson Price on double bass. And basically we play a combination of free improvisations to space sounds alongside fully notated compositions which are inspired by various astronomical phenomena. So, for example, one of the pieces is called Floating in Space. Another one is called Full Moon craters of Rhea, etc, etc. Before I formed the trio, I was trying to find, like I said, trying to find a way to connect these two, these two things in my life. And um, I was actually just Googling space sounds because I saw a, I think it was Sydney Morning Herald a couple of years ago, had an article about these eerie, eerie but beautiful sounds coming from space. And I found an astronomer based in Melbourne who has compiled a collection of space sounds which he has obtained from NASA, but he's put them through a spectrograph to get them to make them audible. And he's got a almost like a library of beautiful, beautiful space sounds. And yeah, his name's Paul Francis. And I contacted him and I said, may I use them in my compositions? And he said, yes, sure. <laughs> in, in fact, he basically said that's exactly why he put them up. 
to to encourage people to listen to them and to use them however they want to obviously as long as he's acknowledged so it's very inspiring the sounds themselves are very inspiring they kind of to me sound a little bit like whale noises they follow the harmonic series so often you'll get well often you'll get actual pitches but they'll kind of be an octave apart then a fifth apart then a fourth apart so it will follow quite closely the pitches that your instrument you know instruments naturally make so it's quite easy to write music to and certainly to improvise to and it's good in a way because it gives you as a musician it gives you something to it gives you kind of some kind of structure you know instead of it being completely free improvisation obviously you are kind of trying to follow the sounds and trying to blend with the sounds and using some of the same pitches we find it works pretty well and what have you chosen what sort of things from space have you written music about well i'll read you out some of the titles one of them is called distant pulsar which of course is about a pulsar star that is that is rotating and there's a kind of basically to to mimic that idea there's a there's a very repetitive bass line going on throughout the whole piece and kind of ebbs and flows in intensity so that's kind of trying to mimic that idea and it starts very soft and then it kind of gets louder so it's the idea of something being something being distant there's another piece called aurora sinus and aurora sinus is um the largest crater on mars and i've got a couple of pictures of it and it's very obviously it's very large it's also very very quiet and still and in the composition i've tried to capture that idea and also i tried to mimic the shapes of the of the craters in the actual melodic lines and the kind of rhythms i tried to look at the shapes you know this kind of pockmarked landscape i've tried to kind of mimic that in the in the um in the the pitch content and hopefully that can be heard in the composition and another one is star dance which is a kind of more upbeat piece that was actually originally a flamenco composition that I wrote for a flamenco ensemble a few years ago but I've rewritten it because obviously it's a dance and I've rewritten I've rewritten it to make it more of a star dance anyway hopefully that can be heard as well and then yeah then there's um floating in space which is a solo flute composition with space sounds and again that's that's all about the stillness um of what it must be to just float in a void basically I tried to avoid anything too kind of fast or building up there's little kind of moments little kind of blips of activity and then stillness so it's actually quite a meditative piece and then I've got Red Mars which is a composition in three movements the first one's called Red Dirt then Red Mysteries then Red Children and Red Dirt is a very bold confident fast piece which is kind of all about the fact that it's red dirt. So red is a very kind of strong color and I was thinking a lot about the Mars rover so the the footage we've actually got that accompanies that piece is the Mars rover landing on Mars and just the triumphant kind of moment of that. And also when I wrote the composition I was thinking of the kind of vague speculation that many millions of years ago there may have been life on Mars. I was kind of thinking about that as well when I wrote that particular composition. So yeah, that's a very kind of fast, active, bold, triumphant piece. And then the middle movement, Red Mysteries, 
is very slow again and it's about it's kind of quite a lonely piece really but it's very very beautiful it's because it, really Mars must be quite lonely from, from everything we we know about it and then the last movement is very active and almost comical it's called Red Children and accompanying that I have literally footage from the Mars rover eight years of Mars rover condensed into five minutes <laughs> literally through the webcam of the Mars rover so yeah and then there's a map next to it showing where exactly where on Mars it was it was going and then it has like a lot of improvised sections and yeah it kind of bumps along as well so yeah that's quite a fun kind of last movement so if people want to want to see and hear your work where can they find you online so we've got a website called ephemeraensemble.com which is E-P-H-E-M-E-R-A-E-N-S-E-M-B-L-E.com. And we've also got a Facebook page, which is called Ephemera, but you can access that through the website. I think that's the best place to follow what we're going to be up to next. But on our website, we've got a whole section of videos, and I've got about 10 videos up there um, of, 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 of our various pieces at various shows Wonderful. What track will we hear of yours? Well, I was thinking Aurora Sinus might be a good one to play. And like I said, that's the largest crater on Mars. We have a show tonight, which is 7th of July at Colburn Avenue in Glebe. I know this show will be airing a bit later. So we have future shows in the pipeline. We haven't got specific dates yet. But it should be, hopefully, in the next few months. And it'll definitely be in Sydney. So just check out our website or our Facebook page. Well, Keena Wilkins, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. That was Keena Wilkins with her astronomy-inspired music. You can find out more at www.ephemeraensemble.com. Here's Aurorae Sinus by Keena Wilkins, featuring Keena Wilkins on piano and flute, Elson Price playing double bass and loop pedal, and Will Gilbert playing the trumpet.
Paul Francis, based at the Australian National University, took radio waves recorded by spectrographs on many of the world's most powerful telescopes and reduced the frequencies more than a trillion times and converted them to the sound waves that inspired Kina. Here's Paul Francis explaining how the different instruments in the celestial orchestra, that is, the different chemical elements, make up the sound of the Eskimo Nebula NGC 2392. This is a guide to the celestial orchestra. I'm going to show you how the music we pick up from space is put together from different elements, actually instruments of the orchestra. We're going to concentrate on putting together the tune generated by one particular planetary nebula, a dying star called the Eskimo Nebula. Here's what the signals from the Eskimo Nebula sound like. The instruments in the celestial orchestra are the different chemical elements. Let's start with oxygen. It turns out that oxygen dominates the sound from this particular planetary nebula. Note the characteristic wavering or wobbling sound due to oxygen. Now listen out for it in the entire spectrum. Hear that oxygen wobble? Well, there's clearly more going on as well. Let's add a bit of hydrogen. Here's what hydrogen sounds like all by itself. I'll now add some oxygen, then some hydrogen, and then compare it to the real spectrum. Q, oxygen. Q, hydrogen. And here's the real spectrum. Okay, so we're getting there, but there's clearly a bit more to this planetary nebula than just hydrogen and oxygen. We need a few more high-pitched sounds. In this case, helium and carbon. Let's add them all up and see if we can get a realistic spectrum of this planetary nebula. We'll start off with hydrogen. Add oxygen. bit of helium, finally some carbon. And we're now pretty close to the real sound of this nebula. So we're now pretty close. To get it perfect you have to do two things. First of all there are a few other elements such as neon you have to add. Secondly, you have to adjust the relative strengths of the different instruments. And then you have the perfect sound, perfect signal coming from this particular planetary nebula. And by working out all the different components as we have done that make it up, we can tell what this thing is made out of. And next, here's the haunting sounds of a comet approaching the sun and bursting into song, before fading back into the outer darkness. The song is due to molecules blowing off the comet's surface due to the heat of the sun.
And finally, here's a medley of sounds from different nebulae. sounds of the universe at www.mso.anu.edu.au slash tilde pfrancis slash music. And that's all from us this week on Diffusion. Would you like to hear your own voice on radio? We need more people contributing stories to Diffusion. Send your contributions, opinions, congratulations, helpful suggestions and donations to science at diffusionradio.com. That's science at diffusionradio.com. And please do send me an email so I know you're listening and you'd like to hear more episodes. Please like the Diffusion Science Radio page on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Tell your friends. Follow me on Twitter at Ian Wolf. Check out the Patreon page, patreon.com slash diffusionradio. Checking production was Charles Willock. I produce Diffusion, which is broadcast around Australia on the Community Radio Network, including 8CCC in Alice Springs and Tennant Creek, 2MVR in Nambaka Valley, and 3MBR in the Mallee Border Districts of Victoria and South Australia. Diffusion is syndicated globally on the National Science Foundation's Science360 internet radio station and also on astronomy.fm. Subscribe to the podcast on the Diffusion website, www.diffusionradio.com. That's www.diffusionradio.com. And check the website for links, photos and videos about this week's show. If you enjoyed the show, then you can explore more than 850 previous episodes archived on diffusionradio.com, where the shows are labelled by keywords, so you can focus in on the stories you want to hear. Subscribe to the Diffusion YouTube channel at youtube.com slash C slash Diffusion Radio. I'm Ian Wolfe. Join us inside your audio device of choice for more science wondering next week on Diffusion Science Radio. Science is fun. It helps you to learn, to know and to appreciate. When you study science, you may go on field trips. You discover the marvelous interrelationships between all living things. You learn to read the history of the earth as it is written in rocks and fossils. You find out what makes things tick, everything from a molecule to a living organism. In the study of science is found the most useful and satisfying knowledge of man. 
knowledge of his physical world, its past, its present, and its future. And in your moments of relaxation, now and in the years to come, you will find the study of science leading you into fascinating pursuits. Photography. Collecting. Why study science? Study science because you will find in the study of science a richer, more rewarding life.